0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: with the 2018 NFL draft here. Fancy football season has begun. And if you love fantasy football, like I do, then you need to try the new best ball leagues on my new favorite app draft. You can now pick your favorite new rookie, such as Saquon Barkley, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, and so many more. And you get to do it for the first time and before anybody else. Here's how they work. You know, you you, you set your teams. You make your drafts. You know, for the best ball leagues, there's 8 men, 10 men, 12 men, and more. You draft and you walk away. It's a great, great system. They pick the best scores for you, and that's just a great way it works. It's season long, but with no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically selected, and you'll get the best scores every week. And you never have to worry about injuries again. You can draft anytime you want. League start every couple minutes. So you can join one right now. And the best part, play for cold, hard cash. League start from just $3. They go $3, $5, $10, $25, 50 so on and so forth. Tons to choose from. And you can play them by coming to Draft and joining me today. You can download the app anytime you want. Just search Draft in your app store and join me and in, in, in play a game in minutes. Or play right now from your computer on Draft.com. Whichever you prefer. Draft on your app or on the computer. Whatever you prefer. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SDSPORTS. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using the promo code SDSPORTS on your first deposit on draft. Let me know. Send me a DM, a picture that you signed up with draft, and you want uh, use promo code SDSPORTS, and they will get you into a free best ball draft. Just search drafting the App Store or go to Draft.com and play for free with the promo code SDSPORTS. Now to this week's edition of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 91, recapping the NFL draft with a fantasy twist to it. And in order to do so, I am joined by the one and only John Lobb. You can find him on Twitter at gridironscholar91. Does some DFS dudes fantasy podcast work, college and NFL fantasy work on the football diehards. John, how are we doing today?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm so excited. I finally got some sleep last night. I have been basically up with excitement all Thursday and Friday. So once the draft was over, I was able to relax, do some studying, and then I went out like crazy, slept for a good eight hours.
1: I believe it. I believe it. You, uh, you've been grinding all you know, the last few months, building up to this, and definitely you had the heyday the last three days to just take it all in, and there's a ton and ton and ton, and we're only going to you know hit on, it seems like a lot, but only a handful of what took place over the last three days. And before we get into, you know, the teams that really dominated, and I have a feeling one of them will be the the one on the top of your head because I really liked what they did. But uh, what are some of the biggest takeaways from the NFL draft?
2: The first thing is, other than the big running backs, I think the running back position clearly is devalued in the NFL. There were actually undrafted free agents who I had higher grades on, and they were not drafted. As an example, Arkham Wadley out of Iowa, I was shocked that he did not go in the draft. I think he's a nice satellite back. You know, he he could easily be a nice third down chess piece in passing situations. You might be able to use him up in hurry up offensive situations. You know, Bo Scarborough of Alabama goes to the seventh round to the Dallas Cowboys. So the running back group is clearly devalued in the NFL. Um, It also amazed me how now, NFL teams, because they are looking for mismatches on the field and they are looking to spread defenses out, the slot position and the small quick-twitch athletes are very much in vogue. And bigger wide receivers, those who are 6'3 or above, it might be 2'10, but they don't have that quick-twitch ability. They plummeted in this draft. As an example, Equinamia St. Brown. You know, I think about eight to 10 years ago, he would have been easily picked in the second round, but he fell tremendously. And I also think what that has done is the NFL is looking for defensive players who have length and can cover a lot of ground. So you have to have speed. So you end up with these cornerbacks and these quick linebackers because they have to adjust on the defensive side of the football those went much faster than I would have expected in the draft. That's my overall kind of big macro perspective.
1: No, that's really interesting because it does show the way the game's evolving, like you said. And you know, the run to the running back points is certain teams they don't care about the, the bell cow back anymore. They want two or three guys, and they'll they'll grab them off the you know the pile at the end, and they'll make it work. We've seen that time and time again. Teams just have out of nowhere guys, you know, even playing fantasy where. You know, you get a late-round draft pick. Next thing you know, he's like a top-ten fantasy pick end right of the year because no one really cared, and that's just how the systems work these days. Um, and the receiver thing, it makes sense. There's a guy we're going to talk about later, Dante Pettis, and uh, a couple others and, and some more spread-style offenses that really stand out as, as the new era of what could be taking place in the NFL. So very good points there that the way things uh, took place over the weekend. Uh, let's talk about some winners we won't talk about the losers so much yet let's talk about some winners and talk about the top six teams that you think actually killed it this weekend in the draft
2: absolutely to me the number one team was the green bay packers anyone who listens to me or knows me on twitter i'm a teacher so giving grades is just part of my dna of what i do but i love the draft and i've been you know watching the draft for 30 years and i've always given my own grades but Last night, as I was looking at the totality of all 32 teams, the Packers, I gave an A-minus. And here's why. Going into the draft, they had clear needs. And there's always a balance between a team's needs and the talent on the board. And every team must be able to balance those as well as the long-term prospect of the player. So you really have, to me, a three-legged stool when you are in the draft. How do I balance the talent with the team need and what's the long-term perspective of the player? Hey, I think the Green Bay Packers hit a grand slam. They clearly had a team need in the secondary. Anyone who played DFS, we absolutely annihilated Green Bay with wide receivers and quarterbacks. They went out and got two of my top four corners, Jair Alexander of Louisville and Josh Jackson Josh Jackson of Iowa. People, that is tremendous depth at the cornerback position. Then they got Oren Burks, excuse me, who can attack the quarterback. You want to help the secondary? You sack the quarterback. That is going to be an immediate increase. Cut down on the amount of time that the opposing quarterback has to throw the football, and your secondary will look better. But what I really like, losing Jordy Nelson, the Green Bay Packers told you, we know that this draft is incredibly deep at the wide receiver position. What they did is they went out and they drafted three big. Now, they went against the norm here, but maybe they realized that the value would fall. Jamon Moore out of Missouri. 6'3", 207 pounds. And he's the small one, my friends. Mm -hmm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 6'4", 206 pounds. And I can't believe this. Late in the sixth round, Equinamia-St. Brown, 6'5", 214 pounds. Hey, the Packers are going to compete. They're going to put these players in a competitive environment. And whichever one comes out of there... Aaron Rodgers will use them to the best of their ability. Now, what I like about this: all three young of these three of these players can get deep down the field. And anyone who watched Jordy Nelson, he was extraordinarily good at getting deep. And Aaron Rodgers can buy time with his feet. Whichever one of these three young men win the competition, they could be very dangerous because Rodgers will check chuck the ball deep while he's scrambling. Now, if I'm going pre-draft, my number, um, let me get this right. I don't want to mislead anyone. Equinamia St. Brown was number seven. Then I had Jamon Moore, number 18, and Marquez Valdez, Scalding, number um, 23. But look, I'm going to bet right now if I was drafting on Equinamia St. Brown as a dynasty owner, but we're going to have to watch this closely Throughout the season, my friend. And then, I love what the San Francisco 49ers did. Look at man. They had needs. They balanced needs with talent. You have Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to do a couple things. You want to protect your young, multi-million dollar asset at the quarterback position. My highest ranked tackle was Mike McGlinchey. I think he's a plug and play immediate starter. Love him. Now, They were higher on Dante Pettis than I was. I'm a little bit concerned. You know, he's only 186 pounds, 6'1", but he's a terrific route runner. I had him in the pre-draft process number 11. He reminds me of Rod Smith and then a little bit of Pierre Garçon. And Kyle Shanahan will get the most out of his receivers. He will put them in situations to win. And he will use their skill set to the best of his ability. So I think they got two immediate starters there. One of my linebackers I like, Fred Warner. I think they did very well there. And one of my deep sleepers, we'll talk about him later, Richie James of Middle Tennessee. What a nice little slot player that the 49ers acquired for that offense. 5'10", 185. That's a very nice piece. Then the third one, and, I, and this will be the last one, I go in tremendous detail. Then I'll just go scores. But John Elway has not yeah. done very well. I, knew it. <laughs> I mean, you look at his record over the last couple of years, and let's be honest, they've been poor. But look, it, he went for the Grand Slam. I think he's, he's trying to get this team back into the playoffs. First thing, he did not go for need. He went for talent. Bradley Chubb was my third-rated player in the draft behind Quentin Quint, Nelson and Saquon Barkley. Barkley was one, Nelson was two, and Bradley Chubb was three. He fell to number five, people. I was surprised. I understand why the Browns took it. They took Denzel Ward at cornerback, but that allowed Elway to say, look it, I'm going to get a dominant defensive end who I can match with Vaughn Miller I'm going to get after the quarterback and look at this division, people. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Phillip Rivers and Derek Carr. You can't hit the quarterback. You're not going to slow down the opponents. So now he has Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. Since DeMarcus Weir left, when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, they had DeMarcus Weir and Vaughn Miller terrorizing people. Now you put Bradley Chubb with Derek Wolf on from the inside Very solid. My number one wide receiver was Cortland Sutton. I know everyone wasn't as high on him as I was, but he topped my board. I will always err on size and speed. Look at he's 6'3", 218 pounds. I understand that he might not be the greatest route runner. There's definitely concerns about his hands. But if you don't draft size and speed, you're going to end up slow and small. I love what Elway did. Hey, their receivers, the Marius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, are free agents, and they're getting old. So he's looking ahead, and he's getting a wide receiver who can play next year. My number seven pre-draft running back. Anyone who's followed me, I've been drafting him all season. Royce Freeman, Oregon. Look, I love this young man. Look, he's not Nick Chubb. He's not Sony Michelle but he's a very good runner. And I agree with people. He doesn't do anything terrific off the charts, but you know, he does everything well. And I like that. And look it, they got rid of CJ Anderson. Royce Freeman is a better prospect than CJ Anderson. I'm not worried about Devontae Booker. The touches are going to go to Royce Freeman. And in the NFL, I don't care about four years down the road. Denver won a Super Bowl two years ago, and now they're drafting fifth. Who cares about five years? I'm worried about two or three years. Despite the yardage, Royce Freeman can play right away. And then I love Josie Jewell, the linebacker they took in the fourth round. I add him as a second-round prospect. The guy just has a nose for the football. People watch him. His head is on a swivel. He identifies opponents, and he attacks them. I like Josie Jewell. He can play on special teams, and you can plug and play him in the linebacker, inside linebacker, where I really thought Denver won. Deshaun Hamilton, very nice asset. I had him as my number 15th wide receiver coming into the draft in the fourth round. I think that's a great bargain. And Troy Fumagalli, he's not the greatest wide receiver, but people, Denver wants to run the football. I think they will go with a lot of three wide receiver sets, Royce Freeman in the backfield, and Fumagalli there to block. Case Keenum will read the defense. If they're in a dime package, he'll run the football to the strong side behind Fumagalli. If they're in their base defense or if they're in a nickel, he can throw the football and have Fumagalli and Freeman pass. I love this pickup. I gave the Denver Broncos a B plus. The next three, Chicago Bears got a B. Loved what the Bears did. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a B minus. San Diego Chargers, a B minus. Those are my top six grades.
1: Wow, that was outstanding. I, I could have sat there and listened to you just go team by team. But that was a ton of great stuff. A couple things I just wanted to hit on, uh, the Green Bay, I was really pumped on what they did. And you hit it on the head is. You know, they still have the guys in the slots over the middle, and then you uh, you get those big-time receivers that Aaron wants to go deep to. But the part that I really liked uh, was the cornerback play because you now you look at, you know, the defending champions in the NFC North, the, the Vikings and the weapons they have and Diggs and company, and then you have uh, the Lions with Tate and, uh, and all those guys. There's a ton to like uh, with those cornerback picks there. The Niners, I was – yeah, I had some uh, some buddies out here in California, like, why are we getting the no alignment? You know, guys don't understand the whole, you know, logical play of football. <laughs> I said, be, I said, because you guys just gushed over this quarterback for the last seven games, you might want him to stand up for 16. So uh, this is a great play for you. And when Staley's gone in two years, he moves right back into his normal position. This is a guy like – you know it's like a Joe Thomas guy It's not flashy with your first pick but he's going to start for you for 10 to 15 years and just be a staple piece so I love that move and Denver I'm 100 percent with you because it seemed like you know when you when you're in a fantasy draft they go oh let's take the next best available player and it works out for you that's kind of where they went it's like oh this guy's still sitting here sweet I'm going to take him because it just fell in my lap yet again and they made it work out so well and I'm a Wisconsin Badger uh, fan, so when you mentioned Fumagalli and I saw them pick him, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, because this guy can block in the running game, like you said, and then he's not super big, and he can—he's a really good route runner out of the tight end position, and it's like he can play back and fullback if you need him to. You can play in the tight end, you can move to the slot. Ellie's gonna have a lot of fun with him. That that team's gonna be a completely different team than what we saw last year. Um, I was hoping you'd have him in your top six. I saw the hat you were wearing, so I wasn't going to say anything. But I was really, really – like, you know, you got Chubb out there with Vaughn Miller. That's just terrifying. If you're a Raiders fan and you have Derek Carr, my goodness, because we saw what happened when you lost that quarterback. So, yeah, outstanding stuff. Um, and,
2: and, you know, back to Fumagali. The Broncos drafted Jake Butt last year. And unfortunately, the young man didn't blow out his knee against Florida State in the bowl game. He would have been right there. He was probably right below Evan, Evan Ingram in last year's draft. That's much. That's how much I liked him. But now Denver is going to have two tight ends who are going to be able to play for them. I mean, we don't know 100% what Jake Budd is going to do on the field. There's always concerns with your knee getting blown out. But the doctors in the medical field is so much better than they were you know, 10, 20 years ago. But now you got two tight ends, and anyone who's watched Denver, their tight ends have been atrocious in the last three years. I mean, Jeff Howerman didn't work out. Virgil Green is just pedestrian. He's a jag. I think they significantly upgraded that position. And they can go two tight ends. If they want to get funky near the goal line, you can go two tight ends, put Demarius Emanuel on the field, and Royce Freeman. I mean, they can do a lot of different things in the red zone. Umagali is a really nice football player. Great value there.
1: Oh, I love that pick. And like you said, that just that that goal line it package you have there. You have a guy with Keenum who just whoop, whoop the Vikings, and he knows how to run that whole spread it out. But we still can pound the rock. And yeah, that that team is going to be a whole different team. Like, and you said it before you even broke this down. Is you know the Broncos won two years ago. and They're the fifth pick that last year. That's how quick these things change and a few picks like they made and some other teams made, the standings come next, you know, December can be completely different, and it'll make for some uh, some more great banter as we get going. Um, just give me a couple uh, – you don't want to go too deep. But give me a couple of losers you think just didn't really get it done in the draft.
2: I think, obviously, the biggest one is the Kansas City Chiefs. Part of it is the Chiefs didn't have a lot of draft picks because they gave away capital for – you know, um, for, for Patrick Mahomes last year. But when I look at what the Kansas City Chiefs do, it, regardless of fantasy or regardless of impact players, I don't, nothing stands out to me. I mean, Breland speaks. You know, I know in general, Andy Reid likes to get those defensive linemen, even going back to his days with the Philadelphia Eagles. Andy Reid has been very successful getting a lot of big boys up front. Rotating in, in and out, getting the best out of them. That's an odd, but that's a second round pick. Then he went, he doubled down again. <laughs> Andy Reid loves this. Derek Nandy out of Florida State. You no, know, to me, big body 6'1, 370, 17 pounds, maybe a little bit of an underachiever. And then they went Dorian O'Daniel Clemson. Nothing there that surprises me at all. Wasn't overly happy. And then the one that really, I mean, Again, I think it's because of their lack of capital. The Tennessee um, Titans, I wasn't overly you know, excited about what they did, but I think they put in a lot of players. I do like Rashawn he- Evans and Harold Landry, but why I say that, I think Luke Falk, I don't really understand what they were doing with Luke Falk, and here's why. I know he's a project, but he's not a Marcus Mariotti, Mariota clone. If, if Mariota goes down, I think you want a player who you don't have to change your scheme for. I think you want, like, a poor man's Marcus Mariota. Luke Falk, you know, he thrives in the short passing game and getting the ball out of his hands, you know, within one and a half to two seconds. So I don't look at the skill set of Falk being a match with the offense that Marcus Mariota runs in Tennessee. Now, I do like Harold Landry in the second round, but the NFL is about depth. The NFL is about getting the best players, making your special teams better, getting those, you know, the second-level players. And they only had four draft picks, so I wasn't really ecstatic with Tennessee.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, like, the Chiefs, you can see, they, they kind of – mortgaged the home for my homes last year so they, they weren't going to be limited but yeah tennessee is that team that you know they sneak into the playoffs you might be a few players away and they just didn't quite get it done um and it was
2: two weeks I, I know you're in san francisco right
1: i'm in the i'm about a couple hours from there yeah I'm, I'm close by
2: okay the, the raiders i'm not going to pick on them because everyone's picking on the raiders oh, I but agree. i wasn't over yeah. to
1: no, that was, um, I think, they let, they let a couple things go, one would say. Like they could have really helped in the moment, uh, definitely. Yes. Because they're old in a couple positions that they really could have helped with, and they didn't quite do that. But, yes. Uh, yeah, but it's just, you know, out here, the Niners are on this steep, steep, you know, uphill climb, right, like where they're they're looking really good all of a sudden, and the Raiders are just doing Raider things and making everybody kind of <laughs> – that's, that's just how it works out here right now. and. It, it, sometimes some things never change. Um, let's talk some players here. We're gonna go over kind of the key fantasy positions, and we're not gonna go into every player. Uh, we'll go as deep or as short as as John's got info for, and then we'll talk about some sleepers to target for your dynasty drafts. Or you know, maybe you know you got the next Tom Brady here or some who knows, but I doubt it. You never know, though. Let's you start, never know. Yeah, let's start the quarterback position where thirteen total ones got drafted. Five in the first round, four in the first ten picks. Thanks to the Cardinals chated up in front of the Dolphins and taking Josh Rosen. Um, I have some interesting thoughts on some of these guys, but I I want your analysis. Let's kick it off. Baker Mayfield goes 1-1. Hugh Jackson obviously cannot be trusted. So that was a good good touch there. But uh, this is an interesting choice. He was very polarizing coming into the draft. You either loved him or you hated him. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I liked what I saw in college. Does that translate to the pros? That's not what I'm the expert at. That's why we have you on here. What do you got for Baker Mayfield going to Cleveland?
2: I really like Baker Mayfield's analysis. I mean, film work. I watched him a ton. He was my number three rated pre-draft quarterback. Now he's an interesting prospect. Now I'm old school and I do in general like my pocket quarterback. So I will be free about that analysis. However, I'm open-minded. I thought Cam Newton years ago was clearly the number one. People thought Blaine Gabbert should have been drafted ahead of Cam Newton. That was a comedy act, in my opinion. Last year, I had as my number one quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Never wavered on it. I loved him coming out of Clemson. And um, two years ago, I had Dak Prescott as my number four Rated quarterback. I thought there was something wrong with me because I had him above everyone else. No one else even had. I had great people. They had him outside the top ten. Some people thought he couldn't even play in the NFL. So I was like, I had. A, I went to therapy to one to see if there was something wrong with me. How come I like Dak Prescott so much and no one else um, liked him? I went on podcasts, talked about him. People were like, okay, whatever. You know, the Gridiron Scholars a little bit crazy. And now I did not expect him to be this good the quick freshman year. But look, it, it's turned out that my analysis is right. So I like these dual threat quarterbacks. But Baker Mayfield, I had number three, and I'll, I'll explain that later. But I think you have to design an offense around Baker Mayfield's unique skill set. Do not make this young man a pocket passer like Drew Bledsoe, Eli Manning, You want to allow this young man to use his athleticism. You want him to get out of the pocket. You you need receivers who continue to run patterns when the play breaks down. Mayfield is amazing at keeping his eyes downfield and finding the open man. If you don't believe me, people, watch Mark Andrews. You will see it all the time. Mark Andrews keeps the play alive While Baker Mayfield is scrambling, and all of a sudden, Mark Andrews busts wide open 15 yards down the field, and Baker Mayfield hits him for the pass. So I like him. Now, here's my problem. I don't trust Hugh Jackson at all. No. This is very interesting what's happening in Cleveland. The talent is there. I think this is similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2016 with Gus Bradley. You knew the Jaguars had talent. But unfortunately, Gus Bradley to me is a coordinator, not a head coach. And that's okay. Wade Phillips might be the greatest defensive coordinator of the last 20 years, but he's not a head coach. I think Hugh Jackson is in the same boat. I think Cleveland's not going to win very many games. I'm still stunned. The guy went 1 and 31 and they brought him back. People, yeah. I'm in the tri state area. When Rich Kotite went. Three and twenty nine, no four and twenty eight. I apologize. He won four. New York City was going to hang him in effigy, and they fired him. I am shocked that Hugh Jackson was worse than Rich Kotite with the New York Jets, and he hangs around. So, what I think is going to happen: they're going to fire Hugh Jackson either mid-season or at the end of the year. Then you're going to see Baker Mayfield flourish. You got to bring in an offensive coach who will design and implement more of a college-spread game and allows Baker Mayfield to be successful. I don't believe Hugh Jackson is that man, but I do believe that Baker Mayfield will have success in the NFL. People, I've charted for the last 10 years quarterbacks, and I look for five statistical categories. I call them my scholar supremacy scores. Baker Mayfield has the best grades, and the most production in all five categories. But I'm not just a stack guy. I'm a film guy and a skill guy. So that's why I had him at number three. But Baker Mayfield will be a good quarterback in the NFL.
1: So, and I agree with what you said there. You see Jackson, he finds a way to find that banana peel over and over again. But somehow has a job. He's almost as good as Marvin Lewis at that. Um, <laughs> like almost. Marvin Lewis is the, the mystery of all mysteries there in He's got some pictures or something. Can't figure it out. <laughs> But um, when you're when you're talking about the Browns here in Baker Mayfield, because I love, they've been extremely active. Kind of that plan we saw in place. You know, they make that weird trade for off but we knew what they were doing. Just at the time, didn't seem right, and and it just kept building on that. And then they go and you know Landry and company this year. Lots of good moves building that team. And I agree, Jackson is not the guy we saw him in Oakland and other places. So when you're talking Baker Mayfield from a fantasy perspective, you're thinking more. You know, next year, the year after this year not so much taking a gamble on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're in a two-quarterback league, you might want to take the gamble. Now, he does have value because he runs, and we know in running quarterbacks in fantasy football have value. But I just don't believe in Hugh Jackson in this offense. I think the talent's there, but the coaching is not. You need a um, a perfect – situation of talent with coaching and they don't have that like look at what Sean McVay did with Jared Goff in you know San Diego this year it worked it's not going to work right now with Hugh Jackson in Cleveland um but I do like him down the road
1: that's perfect let's talk about a player that many thought you know before Hugh Jackson spilled the beans was the number one pick in the draft. And that is Sam Darnold out of USC going to the New York Jets. Jets fans are pretty happy that they, uh, you know, if they couldn't get Baker, they got Darnold. I I, I live out on the West Coast, and I watch a lot of Pac-12 After Dark, and there were many nights where I'm wondering what's so special about this Darnold character. But there's NFL people that are way smarter than I am. So what's your take on Sam and his uh, NFL impact?
2: He was my pre-draft number two. Now, first thing we have to remember is he's only 20 years of age. So a lot of this projection, what they're saying is, hey, look at What can this young man turn into? And then what I have to do is I have to look at the actual skill set of the player. And what you do see, I see great arm strength. I see very underrated athleticism. I mean, he can move in the pocket. He can escape defenders. He can run down the field. I mean, USC had designed runs for this young man. Now, he's not Cam Newton. He's not Deshaun Watson. I don't even think he's in the class of Russell Wilson. But he's better than people give him credit for as an athlete. So he's going to be able to keep plays alive. And what I think happens when you're doing the film analysis, I watched two years, sometimes three years of film. And he was dramatically better in 2016 and 2017. Hey, his... Opus was against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. That was just a fantastic game. You see the upside here. You know, unbelievable. I mean, that game was just – I love – that was one of my favorite bowl games of all time that had nothing to do with the national championship. Now, you see that game, but then you realize he lost a ton of talent last year. And I'll tell you what I like. I like quarterbacks who go through adversity in college. I like the fact that Sam Darnold had to go from a very good Rose Bowl team with a ton of offensive talent, then he comes back and the Trojans were nowhere near as good on offense as they were the year before. You know what I like about that? He learned to deal with adversity. I've seen too many quarterbacks, and this is 30 years, 35 years of watching college football who are on national championship games like the Miami Hurricanes, Florida State. But you know what? They went like 21-2 and two in their career. Or sometimes they would go 23-3. and three. And they didn't face adversity because they had so much talent around them. And we know the NFL is a game of adversity. How do you bounce back against challenges when you throw the three interception day against the Patriots in Gillette Stadium? In week eight, how do you come back to play the Bills on the road? You only experience teaches you that. I like that with Sam Darnold. I do believe the Jets are have are getting a decent team around them, and I'll tell you why. They have a defensive-oriented team. They don't have enough firepower on offense yet. But what I think is next year, the Jets dip into the offensive side, get a running back. Get a couple receivers. Give Darnold some weapons down the road. But I do like Sam Darnold, Donald, number two pre-draft. I think he landed in a pretty good situation. Now he's coming from L.A. So I don't think New York, while it might be a bigger challenge with the fans, I don't think it's going to be crazy different. I think he's going to be able to handle the big city as best as any young man is expected to.
1: Yeah, like you said, you learned how to handle diversity, which is really good when you're or adversity. I mean, when you're playing for the Jets, because it's always something going on there, win or lose. Wise, so that's a that's a good talent to have. Uh, let's talk Josh Allen. Um, some also thought he was going to be number one forever, and then I guess he had some bad tweets that came out, and uh, you know, but he's got big hands, which is good for Buffalo, and some big arm strength. Uh, I, I was never, I don't know, I, I watched. Wyoming and when you're the third team uh, mountain West conference quarterback to me it's not a good look but maybe it was the talent around him and like you said with Darnold there's there's more to it than just wins and losses and all those things what's your take on Josh Allen is there any way that Bill's fans can be really happy about this
2: I don't think so pre-draft I had Josh Allen number five and why I identified him like that was because of the scholar supremacy score As I said, Baker Mayfield hit a grand slam. He exceeded every benchmark that I had on my Scholar Supremacy score. This is amazing. Josh Allen was the complete opposite. He did not (laughs) exceed one of my five benchmark scores. Not one. Now, the reason why I was able to identify Dak Prescott four years ago, not only do I watch the game, so I'm a, I'm a game, I believe in watching quarterbacks as the game unfolds. I think it's very important to me in my analysis, I want to see how the man plays live in Alabama. I want to see how the player plays on the road against San Diego State. Are there delay of game penalties? Is there confusion with getting the huddle? Do they get to the line of scrimmage? Are they calling audibles? To me, that's very important. So my film work told me Dak Prescott was good, but then my scholar supremacy score said, hey, this young man is way undervalued. People, Josh Allen on every statistical number that I look at is awful, awful, my friend. I'm sorry, let's be honest, (laughs) production matters. Now, I agree with you. He's in the Mountain West Conference you should dominate that conference yes. 4500 passing yards 35 touchdowns i mean seriously dominate that conference as an example nick stevens who is not a great quarterback not an nfl prospect he ended up with 3500 yards and 32 touchdowns in that conference this is a defensively challenged conference how could josh allen play that bad now, why I'm even more down on him, look at the Bills roster, folks. I dare you to name three wide receivers, and I dare you to name a running back after LaShawn McCoy. I dare you, people. They are not giving this young man anything to work with. I have no interest in Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really confused on how that one all works out, so... I guess we'll see how it works. You know, it's a good thing they traded down to not get to Sean Watson last year, and they traded up to get Josh Allen this year. So lots of good moves there in Buffalo. Uh, let's talk Josh Rosen. The Cardinals traded up for him. This is the guy they were they're really high on and wanted this year uh, out of UCLA. Really good stuff. If anybody saw the Texas a m game last year, that was one of the better football games from a quarterback's perspective you could ever see. Um, what's your take on Rosen going to Arizona? Because that could be a decent landing spot for him.
2: I love Rosen in Arizona, and you're right. I love that Texas A&M, A&M UCLA game, and I believe it was the following week US, UCLA played Memphis, and I was watching that for Anthony Miller, and I live in Connecticut, so I watch American Athletic Conference football. People make fun of me all the time but I do watch a lot of that. I have season tickets to the UConn Huskies, so I saw Anthony Miller live. I saw a lot of good players in the American Athletic Conference, and Josh Rosen played spectacular against Riley Ferguson and Anthony Miller in that game. Now, I had Josh Rosen pre-draft number one quarterback. People, I'm a teacher. I cannot believe that intelligence is ever looked down upon I don't care what industry you are in. Intelligence is an asset. I'm sorry. I've I've been in personnel offices. I've worked for small companies when we hired people and we looked at resumes. And I'll tell you, I never had a boss say to me, John, I want you to bring in the worst candidate with the worst resume and possibly the dumbest person who's able to work for this company. Every boss wanted the highest intellect, the best resume. I love Josh Rosen. I think he's a perfect match for McCoy's offensive system. I think he will be challenged by it. And I think he's in a good landing spot. You have Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. He's not walking into an empty cabinet like Josh Allen in Buffalo. I love Christian Kirk in the second round. Guys, that's a very nice chess piece for Josh Rosen. Sam Bradford ain't going to make it all year, people. And if he does, good for him. I'm glad that the young man or the the veteran can play. I don't see him play in 16 games. I like the um, Cardinals got Mason Cole out of Michigan. I like him. They got one of my favorite satellite picks, Chase Edmonds out of Fordham to back up David Johnson and help him in the passing game. I think Josh Rosen landed in a terrific spot, and I like the fact that he's angry. He's mad that he fell to number 10. Look, I teach millennials. He is the new millennial. This is what I see out of my 18-year-old men. He's just 21. Guys, if you're not around teenagers or young men, you're not opening your eyes. It's not 1985, folks. It's 2018. Josh Rosen are the kids that are coming into the NFL. I teach them all the time. He reminds me of my AP students. I'm lucky. I'm, I, 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 my life is a, is a gift. I teach AP kids who've gone to Yale, gone to Stanford, gone to University of Chicago, Vanderbilt. I teach really smart kids. And guess what? They're all like Josh Rosen. That's what you're getting with the millennials. Get used to it or you're going to have a very dumb football team.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I laugh. I people say, "Oh yeah, you know, he's just this, you know, punk kid and all these things." Like, you have no idea. Like, walk around a college campus for five minutes—just five minutes—and yeah. <laughs> then go go through like go through the the Memorial Union on whatever campus you're at, and they're all doing the same thing. This is what they do. It's, it's just like you said. It's just 2018, so things the the landscape of football is going to continue to change, and with it's going to be these kids and it's our future. So that's a great, great point because he does get a lot of hate for the things he did, and it's like, you know what? He did a lot of things Matt Leinert did. Just Matt Leinert was in an era where it wasn't as covered. Let's just put it that way.
2: Hey, if if they had tweets or uh, video of what I was doing from 19 or 18 to 23, I might not be around. I mean, like, seriously, I used to live in an era before social media, my friend, so I got lucky.
1: No, that's uh, that's what people forget these days. It's just these kids are on such a fine microscope. It's crazy. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson finished up the first round. He's obviously going to be behind Flacco to start the year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, maybe some of the others. What are a couple, you know, later round picks that you're looking at that uh, good landing spots for them in the future?
2: In Dynasty, I'm definitely very interested in Lamar Jackson still the upside is there i don't know look if the ravens are winning and they're playing good football with joe flacco he's not going to play this year if yeah. the ravens collapse and that you know if let's say they're two and 10 maybe they give lamar jackson a shot down the road but from a dynasty asset i love him i think it's a great As long as Harbaugh remains there, I think it's a pretty good match with a defensive-oriented team to have a running quarterback. I love that. The number one guy, if you're really looking for a dynasty asset, Kyle Laletta, I had him as my number seven prospect coming out of the draft, landed with the New York Giants. I like the coaching staff under Pat Schumer. Eli's a little bit long in the tooth. I think he has two years remaining, As definitely as an NFL starter. Who knows what the Giants will do three years from now. I think Kyle Laletta can play in the NFL. And then obviously Mason Rudolph backing up um, Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Look, if he gets to sit the bench for at least two years, yep. and then he gets into that team with Juju Smith, who's reaching his prime, James Washington, who they just drafted, who I like a lot hey, Pittsburgh's always a good organization. They're going to put players on the field who can help their quarterback. Mason Rudolph is also very interesting down the road.
1: Yeah, no, I love the Mason Rudolph call. Like, I don't want to – by no means, and I want to clarify this for everyone listening, by no means am I saying he is Aaron Rodgers, but the scenario where he gets to sit behind a guy like Ben Roethlisberger for two years or whatever, he's in an organization like you know Steelers, the way the Packers, they run things. They always keep it competitive. They keep guys on the field. And what I love about Mason Rudolph, this is where I kind of get the real comparison. Again, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he can sling it all over. and He's not afraid to find small windows like Rodgers is. So from a fantasy perspective, I think this is a phenomenal landing spot for him because he could have went to a lot of wastelands and you've been like, okay, well, this is another one that could have been really good. We'll never know. But I think this is a phenomenal landing spot for this kid because I know the Big 12 doesn't play defense. It's a video game. It's, 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 the, it's the new Madden for college because EA Sports stopped making college football. But this kid, it could be really good. So I like that call a lot. Um, if you had to pick one quarterback that had a fantasy impact this season, who do you think it is?
2: Sam Darnold, most likely to play 16 games. Not what? Not guaranteed. But I'm going to go with the most games started. It's very close. I go Darnold, Mayfield, and Rosen. <laughs> I mean, I guess Josh Allen will probably play 16, but it's so bad. I'm not interested.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I'm i literally – I was telling someone last night is I haven't found – it's maybe 10% of the Josh Allen takes are positive. And if he ever succeeds, it, I, I, we all might just have to go hide in a bunker somewhere. Because it's going be, to be ridiculous. Uh, I will
2: say this. He's going to challenge my film work, statistical production, my analysis. If, and I want the young – look, I don't root for any young man to be yes. a, a yes. boss. I don't. Yes. But my, he's a third-round pick. I don't know how he's escalated this high.
1: Yeah, no, 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 I think that's the biggest thing. If he was taken in, like, the second round or the third round, everyone would be all aboard. Okay, let's see what Josh Allen has. But the yes. fact they were trying to proclaim him as the number one pick, and you still went number seven, a team traded up to get him. It's like, okay, let's see what you got, kid. Yes. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. That no other brand. Can compete with roto in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. If you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Benched with Bubba. Let's go to the running back position, which we see year in and year out. There'll be a handful of these guys, like I said earlier, come out of the draft or are even undrafted that have a massive fantasy impact coming into the season. And this one's a no-brainer. If you've been under a rock, then you don't know who he is. But Saquon Barkley, this kid is electric. It was week in and week out. He's either returning a kick or he's busting a run or a screen pass. He doubled his pass production this past year. Still over 200 carries from back-to-back years. This guy is a monster Even on the Giants, he should succeed. I know I didn't steal your thunder because you can talk about Saquon Barkley for hours because he's amazing. But I think most people know who he is. Just give us a quick quick cliff notes on how good this guy could be. And where would you take him in a draft this year?
2: Um, You know, first, I have predicted since January that Saquon Barkley was going to go number two to the New York Giants. And here's why. This organization wants to give Eli Manning one more chance at Super Bowl glory. They have not given him a running game for the last three or four seasons. It's been a disaster. Then they hired Pat Schumer. And Pat Schumer told us everything we need to know when he said, and I paraphrase, I like pass-catching running backs. Hello, the Giants were going running back. He's the perfect chess piece. Look at this, what the Giants can now do to a defense. They can go Odell, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley. People, you have to double-team Odell or at least put your best player on Odell. Everything else is a chess piece. They upgraded the offensive line. I love Will Hernandez in the second round. I love Nate Soldier. They have upgraded the left side of that offensive line. Eli Manning, when he has time to throw, is a productive quarterback. All they have to do is give him an extra half second. And people, who are the safeties going to cover? Evan Ingram, Odell, or Saquon? Look at He's going to find the mismatch, Eli, and he's going to do it. I love this. You're right. Number one, he's a top seven fantasy asset in redraft leagues. I just, I'm jonesing so bad. I did an MFL 10. I start, I have the sixth pick today. And the two in my queue are DeAndre Hopkins or Saquon Barkley. I, I, I have to go with DeAndre Hopkins. Look at the schedule for the Texans. People. Oh, my God, Deshaun Watson and um, DeAndre Hopkins have tasty matchups. So I'm going to go Hopkins if he's on the board, but then it's going to be Barkley. If for some reason someone takes Hopkins, I'll take Barkley. But that's how much I like him. He's a yes. top eight redraft asset this year. Now, next, I'll go a little quicker. Darius Geis I still have at number two. The touches are there. In Washington, he is a dominant between the tackles runner. I don't care that he fell. He was my number two pre-draft. He's my number two post-draft. In PPR leagues, he might be worth a little less. I understand that because you have Chris Thompson. Yes. But now look at the, what the Redskins did on the offensive side of the football. One, their massive tackle should be back this year. Um, and why am I why am I going? Trent Williams, correct? He got injured last year. Their left tackle. He should be back. In the third round, they drafted Jerron Christian out of Louisville. Nice offensive tackle. I like if their offensive line can stay healthy, I believe that the Washington Redskins are going to be much better at running the football. I love dice. Now, I'm not trying to be a homer. Right now, my third in season long among rookies, Royce Freeman, Denver. I have him down as 950 yards, 10 total touchdowns, 35 catches. He's going to be the chess piece in Denver. C.J. Anderson is gone. I like him a lot this year. If he's your third running back, he's gold. You could probably survive with him as your second running back. Love him. I have Nick Chubb as number five. I think down the road he's going to be very good. I do think he'll get the football a lot. Now, I'm a little bit more down on him, and I hear people love this player, and I like him. I had him pre-draft number six, Rashad Penny. But here are my concerns. They are becoming a passing team in Seattle. I believe this is now Russell Wilson's team, Russell Wilson's offense. Seahawks still have a terrible offensive line, folks. Look at San Diego State. I love Rashad Penny, but San Diego State, friends, watch the film. They opened some holes for that young man. There were times where it was like Moses parting the Red Sea. He just had to hit the home run. He is not going to get those running lanes in the NFL behind the the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. And you know what bothers me more? They have to play the Rams with Wade Phillips. They have to play the improving San Francisco 49ers. And they have to play the Arizona Cardinals. Don't love those matchups. Defensive-minded teams. He also can't pass block. Guys, he's terrible. I don't know how they put him in on third down. He doesn't have great hands either. Very concerned. I think the hype train is moving too fast for Rashad Penny. Then I have Ronald Jones of Tampa Bay. Great situation. Not in love with his skill set, but the opportunity is there. Then Sony Michelle with the Patriots. Guys, there's too many pieces in New England. New England just is going to spread the ball around. Rex Burkhead, you know, not Jeremy Hill, James White. I just don't see 200 touches for Sony Michelle, barring injuries in the backfield. Then I love this guy, Naheem Hines. He might get a lot of touches in Indianapolis. He's my number 8. Carry on, carry on Johnson going to the Lions is my number 9. Kalen Balaj in Miami, he's my number 10. Those are my top 10 right now. Things can change, but those are my top 10 for dynasty owners who are drafting very soon.
1: No, I like that a lot. You hit on you hit on most of them like the Rashad Penny one. I thought that was just the Seahawks trying to be cute. I Again, nothing against the kid's talent. It was more along the lines of, what are you doing at that point in the draft with Rashad Penny? Um, the Sony Michelle one, I think through everyone that's ever watched an NFL draft for a loop, because you got the New England Patriots who have seven running backs like you mentioned, I guess they're saying he could take uh, the place of uh, Deion Lewis and, and do that kind of role. But again, how do you know what you're going to trust there? So that, that's really interesting. The Darius Geist fall. I guess a lot of it people are saying is because of quote unquote, you know, he might be a bad person, but who knows? That's just dumb stuff to me. Get another field and do anything wrong, like by the law, so let's figure that out later. But yeah, it's a very <laughs> No, very-
2: I agree with you. None of this stuff was illegal.
1: Yeah. It, like he's a kid. And then it's
2: a narrative. I don't know what's true.
1: Exactly. Like the the fact he fell that far just yeah, I don't know because I was shocked. I, the, watching the first round, I expected him to maybe come at the end and that didn't happen. And You're watching the second round, like, man, is he going to fall out of the second round? This is ridiculous. This kid is a talent. And um, some say he might have might have been, we'll find out, better than Leonard Fournette at one point in time, which that's a big might, but everyone has their opinion. Um, so, that, yeah, deep, deep field. Royce Freeman it could be electric in Denver, like you mentioned. you could hit him a few times. Lots to like there at the running back position. Saquon Barkley is the take-home message. It's going to be very, very good. Um, let's go to the wide receiver position where there was, depending on who you talk to, the the pre-draft rankings at the wide receiver position were all over the board. You had, you know, five or six guys that kind of just, they, they were intermatched in between there. And then you had some other uh, outliers. You mentioned a few of them already. What's your kind of uh, look at the top, you know, 10 wide receiver, five, 10 wide receivers coming out of the draft.
2: So before I, I'm going to digress for just a couple seconds, two sleepers who I like, who we have to watch very oh, closely. Yes. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's um, Jordan Wilkins out of old miss with the Indianapolis Colts might get the goal line touches. We'll see how his role is in Indianapolis. I really liked his film this year. I picked him up in college fantasy football, and I watched a lot of his games because obviously he plays in the SEC, and I'm watching Nick Chubb, Darius Geis, Bo Scarborough, so I ended up watching a lot of old Miss games, and I mentioned him, I alluded to him earlier. I do like Chase Edmonds coming out as a satellite back to the Arizona Cardinals. Look it, he has NFL potential. He's someone who in a PPR asset, he could be a Duke Johnson The problem is obviously David Johnson is a pass receiving back also, but let's see where this young man develops. I like those two a lot. So now let's go to your wide receivers. I'm still going to go. I like DJ more. He's at the top of my board. I understand people say the Panthers have never had a top 12 wide receiver fantasy football wise since Cam Newton's been there, but I'm going to counter that argument with D.J. Moore as the best wide receiver talent that Cam Newton has since he's been with the the Carolina Panthers. Kelvin Benjamin is not the route runner or the explosive athlete that D.J. Moore is. I heard these same concerns last year with Christian McCaffrey where people said Cam Newton never throws the football to running backs. Don't draft Christian McCaffrey. He just ended up ninth in PPR scoring last year, and he was a dynamo, and Cam Newton found a way to get the football into Christian McCaffrey's hands. Cam Newton's smart enough. He's going to use the assets around him. I have him at number one. I follow that with Christian Kirk. Right now, This is and these could change wildly from now until August. I spent two hours last night looking at this. It's very hard, the wide receiver position, but I love Christian Kirk pre-draft. He was my number five. I love the fact that he ends up on a team with Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald learned under Chris Carter. Larry Fitzgerald is an outstanding human being. I do think he'll do what I call pay it forward because Chris Carter and Randy Moss paid it forward to him. Because he was, um, I believe his dad was a coach with Dennis Green on the Minnesota Vikings when he was a young man, and Larry Fitzgerald when he was in high school, and I think a little bit with Pitt, hung out with NFL players. And I think this young man, who's just an outstanding human being, will help Christian Kirk learn the ropes, and Christian Kirk gets to grow with Josh Rosen. I like him a lot. I think he's undervalued. I think a second-round pick, that's a no-brainer there. Then I'm going with Dante Pettis of the 49ers. I have to trust in Shanahan. Shanahans are very good at identifying talent that fit their offensive system. Dante Pettis reminds me of Rod Smith when his father was the head coach of the Denver Broncos and Kyle Shanahan was a young boy hanging out in Denver. And if you watch Kyle Shanahan grow as an offensive coordinator – and then become a head coach, his offense mimics his his dad's. Obviously, it's more updated because it's 2018, not 1998. But he was with his dad. He knows what he's looking for in wide receivers. He had it with Pierre Garçon when he was in Washington. He used them very effectively. I think Dante Pettis fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. I think it's a very underrated pick. He vaults way up my board because of the team he ends up with jimmy garoppolo he ends up with kyle shanahan and people that depth chart isn't very impressive in san francisco on the outside i mean dante pettis has a chance here to get a lot of targets i like him
1: real quick look at like a dante pettis and you have Pierre Garcon had a humongous year last year, and he's getting older. He's not getting any younger. So Pettis could easily you know, fill in there in a year or two, but at worst jump in the slot or the outside. There's a lot to like there with Dante Pettis. I just wanted to bring that up because, um, again, uh, living in California, I hear a lot of Niners and Raiders takes, and there were some fans like, why did we pick Dante Pettis? I'm like, guys, this is a great fit for your situation, but as you were.
2: No, I I agree with it. Hey, I'm always open-minded, and I'm willing to change my position post-draft. I have to be intelligent. I have to play this game to give my listeners and my readers the best information based on my analysis. Hey, pre-draft, I had Dante Pettis number 11. But you know what? I can't discount how good Shanahan is at watching film and coaching players up. I think that is one of the most underrated aspects of coaching. Coach a player up, and he puts his players in positions to win. And that's what I like. Pettis vaults my board. Calvin Ridley, people, one-on-one. Calvin Ridley is a master route runner. you got Julio Jones. He's going to see a lot of single coverage. I believe the Falcons are going to use him in mismatches. And you have a great veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan who can take advantage of Calvin Ridley. Now, his upside, I don't think he's a 1,300, 1,400-yard receiver. I think he's about a 900 to 1,100-yard receiver with six to eight touchdowns. But I do like Calvin Ridley landing in Atlanta with a good offense and a great quarterback. I like him there. Then I have Cortland Sutton. Hey, people, the talent's there. I think Denver wants to play defense. They want to run the football. So I think, you know, his upside with Case Keenum, this isn't Peyton Manning throwing him the football, but the the athleticism is there. The skill set is there. He won't get a lot of opportunities year one, folks. Demarius Thomas is still there. Emmanuel Sanders is still there. But down the road, Cortland Sutton will shine in Denver. He does have 1,200-yard upside. Double-digit touchdowns if everything goes perfect for Cortland Sutton. He's my number five. Now, I love him, and some people might have him higher. But Anthony Miller on the Chicago Bears is a dream scenario. People, I had the pleasure of watching Anthony Miller live at the rent versus the UConn Huskies. Watch the film. He embarrassed them. Watch Anthony Miller against UCLA. This is an outstanding young football player. I have him at number six, but I put him there. He has Allen Robinson on the team. He has a young quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. And Chicago isn't the most likely place in the cold weather in that division to produce like a 90-catch wide receiver. I just wonder if the upside for that 100-catch – like if he landed in Pittsburgh – Hey, three years from now, Anthony Miller could be 100 catches. If he had landed with, you know, San Francisco, 100 catches in that system, but not in Chicago. Then I have Michael Gallup. People, he's a very nice player coming out of Colorado State, back-to-back 1,300-yard seasons, I believe. Back-to-back 100-catch seasons, totally dominated the competition Big player, nice height, good size, good route runner. I like him in Dallas with Dak Prescott. I think he's going to have a nice NFL career. My sleeper, who I love, I had him number 10 pre-draft. I've been drafting him like crazy in all my dynasty drafts, my mock drafts. Trey Quan Smith uh, landed in the perfect scenario with, with New Orleans people. Yep. This reminds me of Kenny Galladay last year landing in Detroit in the third round. Traquan Smith is huge. He's a home run hitter. I said it before. I watched a lot of American Athletic Conference, and this is not bias. I just happen to have the advantage of watching these guys. Look at what he did at the Combine. Look how good he can be, and the New Orleans Saints agreed with me. He is a nice, very nice dynasty asset that I think is going to be cheap. He's playing with Drew Brees at least for two more years. I believe in Sean Payton. He has Michael Thomas. They don't have a tight end, folks. I think they're going to go a lot of three receiver formations. They're going to go with a you know one or two backs out of the backfield, and Traquan Smith will be nasty in the slot or at the Z position. I like him there dj yeah. Chark, nice pick by the jacksonville jaguars you can hang your hat on one skill that is hitting a home run he has one dominant skill look he's not a precise route runner he's not going to make 75 catches but he does have 45 um catch potential averaging 18 yards a catch with six or seven touchdowns i like him there my other sleeper who i love I can't believe the Colts. They got Deion Kane in the sixth round, my friend. Pre-draft, I had Deion Kane, number nine. He ends up with Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. I love this match in Indianapolis. The depth chart is barren. I love DK or Deion Kane ending up there. James Washington of Pittsburgh. I love the talent. You just, you know, they got Juju Smith and Tony Brown, Most likely the starters for the next three years. I don't know where the targets are coming from. Also with Le'Veon Bell immediately. Hey, if you want to take a shot, you want to move Washington up, I understand. I think he's going to fill that Martavis Bryant role. Maybe 35 catches for 550 yards, three or four touchdowns right away. And then my number 12. I'm going to take – if I'm gambling right now in Green Bay and I want a, I want a piece of Aaron Rodgers, I'm taking Equinamia St. Brown. He's my number 12. Look it. We're going to have to watch it closely. Javon Moore is there. We discussed him. Marquez valdez Scaldon, who I saw live at UConn, also there. But I think St. Brown is the best talent. I'm going to bank on talent right now, not draft position, And neither of those players, Javon Moore or Mark or or Scalding, were drafted high enough where they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going St. Brown. And then there are three deep sleepers who I think people have to watch out for. Kiki Kuti, Texans. Richie James, your 49ers. If you're a 49er fan, I know you're out in the, the, the Bay Area. And Braxton Barrios of the Patriots. And you will notice something that's common in these three players. They all project as slot receivers. They are all quick twitch athletes in offenses that get the ball out of their quarterback hands within one and a quarter seconds. I like all three of those as deep sleepers in PPR Dynasty formats.
1: That's outstanding. That was a phenomenal list of wide receivers. There are some really, really good ones like uh, DJ Moore could be electric in that offense and already have the talent they have there. Uh, Calvin Ridley on the opposite side of uh, Julio is just ridiculous, and you still have Sonu in that offense. So a lot to like there, and so on and so forth. You mentioned a ton of great, great wide receivers, and you kind of hit on it earlier with the way the league is changing. That's a uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, PPR type receivers coming out there. That's why those three deep sleepers could be real, real sneaky later on, and at worst DFS value plays uh, as you do that as well. So some really interesting guys to take a look at there. Let's go to the tight end position. It's not as flashy as it as people like it to be, but it is very important in this era of the NFL, as you mentioned. You know, you got like Hayden Hurst and Josecki and Godard, a few others. What are some of the you know your top five fantasy tight ends?
2: Um, so I like this, I think it was actually underrated. Look, it did not have the bizzazz of last year's group. I would have said if you merged last year's group, the top three would have stayed the same. OJ Howard. David Njoku, and Evan Ingram. I didn't think any of these players were as good as those three picks last year. But I did have Dallas Goddard as my number one entering the draft. Now, he ended up in a perfect situation. However, perfect situation from a franchise standpoint. But you have Zach Ertz. Look, the Eagles are acquiring assets as a Super Bowl champs. The tight end position is volatile. They can go down short shelf life. In Peterson's offense, Trey Burton was successful when Zach Ertz was out. And Burton got a big contract with the Chicago Bears because of it. So Dallas Goddard is a very nice dynasty asset. I have him as a second-round pick. Maybe Zach Ertz has three more years in Philadelphia. More likely two more seasons. Who knows, right? But Dallas Goddard was a perfect scenario for the Eagles. But he's not my number three because you're going to have to take time for him. And right now the targets are not there. My number one, who was my number two pre-draft, is Mike Giusecki, Miami Dolphins. He landed in a great position. I don't love the offense. Look, at, I, I'm not in love with Ryan Tannehill. But let's be honest, people. The Miami Dolphins told us a lot. They did not draft the quarterback. They didn't yep. even get a Mike White or a Kyle Loletta in round two or three. That means Tannehill's their guy. Jay Cutler just retired. Obviously, Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins A believe Ryan Tannehill is going to come back, and B, he's their guy. I'm not saying I like him, I'm not saying I love him, but the reality is Ryan Tannehill is going to quarterback the Miami Dolphins. So you lost Jarvis Landry. What do you need? You need a a player who can dominate the intermediate to short zones, who can manipulate the middle of the defense, maybe open things up for Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills, and they got that in Mike Giusecki. I think there's a chance Mike Giusecki in this offense could get 65 targets. I think he's the most likely rookie to lead the tight ends in targets I am at number one on my board. I loved him coming out of Penn State. Number two, I just love Dallas Goddard better. My number two tight end this year, hey, not looking at Dynasty asset here, Hayden Hurst of the Ravens. The talent's there. He's older. He's 25. I get it. He might not have a seven-year career in the NFL, but you know what? He only played football two years at South Carolina, I believe. He played baseball before that. The yep. athleticism is there. The Ravens have no veterans coming back who are any good at the tight end position. Hey, the Ravens like tight ends so much they double dipped. They ended up. Let me see. I forgot who. Oh, Mark Andrews of Oklahoma. Yeah, third they round. Clearly wanted to upgrade the position. I have Hayden Hurst again. If you're going to, if I'm going to bet on the two players to get the most targets, it is going to be Mike Gesicki and Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, to me, has about a 55 to 60 targets. And the only, I'm not going to predict catches or yards, but targets matter. That's the number one thing I look for. Then it's Goddard. Now, this guy catapulted to me. I wasn't looking at him much before the draft. Christopher Herndon of the Jets. Guys, the Jets have a young quarterback, Sam Darnold. They got rid of Austin Safarian Jenkins. He was their guy last year. Lots of playing time is open. Targets are open. You got to be open-minded. Christopher Herndon of the Jets is my number four guy there. Then I love Ian Thomas out of Indiana going to the Carolina Panthers. He was my number six pre-draft tight end. He's a great athlete. He's a late bloomer, and he's going to learn and play behind Greg Olson for a year or two. But I believe that Ian Thomas is a very nice asset in Dynasty Leagues, and I like his landing spot in Carolina. Then the last one, if you're looking for a season, maybe someone to surprise you, Jordan Atkins out of UCF playing for the Houston Texans. I don't trust anyone above him on that depth chart, but I like Jordan Atkins. And then we had mentioned him early. Troy Fumagalli would be my number seven but he's not really a big fantasy producer. He's a better NFL tight end than he is a fantasy tight end.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, much more better, just real, real life football player. I completely agree with that. Um, who are some of the, if, if I guess you probably gave some sleepers for the tight end position there, but if you had to take a deep sleeper, who are you looking at the tight end position?
2: Um, You know, that's very, I obviously don't, Looking quickly, Dalton Schultz coming out of Stanford playing for the Dallas Cowboys. He's limited athletically. I don't think it's a huge upside, but he ended up in the right system. So I like him very much. And then my long shot, the problem is the depth chart. Tyler Conklin ending up out of Central Michigan, ended up with the Minnesota Vikings. Very good athlete coming back from a pretty bad injury. He pushed himself to get back on the field this year out of Central Michigan. The problem is Kyle Rudolph is a great tight end right now in Minnesota. But look, if if something happened to Rudolph and Conklin got on the field two years from now, I think he could be very good. So Dalton Schultz with the Dallas Cowboys and Tyler Conklin with the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Okay, one last question I got for you, and then we'll wrap it up when you're analyzing all these these rookies and the impact for the season, you know, you're going deep into the dynasty more so because not, not as many will have the impact this year we're thinking of. How do you approach the rookie position in a redraft league? Do you like to gamble on them, or do you like to kind of be more conservative?
2: Oh, I'm a gambler. <laughs> I mean, I, and I know people, anyone who's followed me on football diehards, or, or when I do – and I, I do a lot of magazines, drafts with them, and I participate – I'm probably higher on rookies than most player or um, fantasy managers, but that's just me. Um, I've always been a gambler in fantasy football. Uh, I'd rather win it than finish in third place. And I've always – like I took Ezekiel Elliott in the first round two years ago. You know, I drafted Deshaun Watson as my second or third quarterback last year. And I might have won a league if he had stayed healthy, man. My team, I was yeah. five and oh or six and O when he went down with that team. And I, I just had Eli Manning and who was my I had like Phillip Rivers, and neither of them, but I mean when I was playing Deshaun Watson, my team was jamming. Um, but I love drafting rookies for depth. I'm gonna go for the home run. Um, but I'm I, I do it based on three criteria number of touches I project depth chart who's ahead of them and then the quarterback who do they end up with obviously rookies with aaron Rodgers, you know rookies with you know um tom brady or you know kirk cousins but they didn't take one this year in minnesota but if they're quarterback i like and i feel that's a quarterback who can get the ball into the players hands i'm much higher and that's why i'm going to draft a green bay packer rookie wide receiver because of aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, John, that was outstanding. I want to go run through a wall. You have me pumped for the Ah, season. I have a ways to go. Um, Let everybody know what you got coming up. You can find them on Twitter at GridironScholar91. What do you got coming up that you're working on?
2: Um, As you mentioned earlier, we have the DFS dudes. That comes out throughout the offseason, you know, a little sporadically, but we are going to do a dynasty mock rookie draft with three or four of us are going to be drafting on a rotational basis. Cause I actually have tomorrow, I have a dynasty rookie draft and I actually have the second pick. Nice, and sweet. obviously I hope Saquon Barkley falls, but with the second pick, I'm already, I have him in my queue. I'm taking Darius guys. I don't care. He's my guy. And I don't have a lot of depth. I inherited a team, which is nice. I like the challenge. Um, and I'm taking Darius Geis. So um, we're going to do that dynasty mock draft on DFS dudes. And if you want to know, I was very lucky to work with one of my good friends, Andy Singleton. And on YouTube, if you type in draft profiles, two words, draft and then profiles on YouTube, we have between four and eight-minute segments on the top 50 rookie prospects. 47 of them were drafted yesterday. Only three were not. We've gotten great reviews. Go to YouTube or Tracks and type in in the search button draft profiles and give us a watch and tell us what you think. And, obviously, please follow me on Twitter at gridironskull91. I'm posting all the time, and I'll answer any questions you have.
1: Yeah, John's a really good guy and really, really knowledgeable, as you can tell by the just immense amount of information he gave out on today's show. So go check out all his work. Uh, Andy is a really good guy, so I can own, their stuff is great. So I check all that out. I actually have Andy coming up in a few weeks on Bench with Bubba, so he'll be joining me. But, uh, John, again, man, thanks for joining me. That was an absolute blast, and we will definitely have to talk again closer to the football season.
2: Thank you, my friend. I loved it. I'll
1: talk rookies, and I'll lo- we'll talk NFL
2: throughout the summer I'm around. Love your yeah. show. Have a great one.
1: Thanks, man. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, Episode 91. Catch you guys later.